This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown, and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. Welcome back to this week's episode of The State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, going forward by Hudson Standish. Uh, We've got a big show. It's a huge weekend in Austin. we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about visitors. We're going to talk a little bit about Texas relays. Um, we're going to talk about what the overall ceiling for this class could be. But before we do all of those things, Hudson, how's it going? It's going great, Mike. I knocked off a little bit of podcast rest last week, so I'm excited to move forward. There we go. We're going to get you uh, loose and in the groove in no time. Um, all right. right. Let's uh, let's jump right into it. It's kind of the weekend Texas fans have been waiting for all spring. Uh, the big visit weekend for Texas uh, with the first week of spring practice coming. Um, and none other than Arch Manning, the five-star quarterback from uh, New Orleans, Isidore Newman, is uh, coming in for his third visit of his recruitment to Texas. Uh, visited last summer for the Elite Day, came in in fall for the Oklahoma State game, and is returning this week. Um it's always a circus when Arch is on campus, you know, it's, it's, um, and I don't think that's by his design at all. He's a very low key kid, but you know, just the hype around his name and his family's name and all those sorts of things have made this such a high profile recruitment. Um, I guess I'm interested, Hudson, you and I have not talked a lot about Arch Manning um, on this show because you've only been on it for two weeks, but um you know, what are your thoughts on him as a player? And the, I guess this is kind of your first foray into like a mega recruitment. Yeah. I mean, it's been really interesting watching his recruitment from afar um, as a consumer. And then once I got into the industry, starting to cover it a little bit, I mean, it's really fun. Um, A lot of the coverage that I've had with Arch Manning has kind of been secondary. So it's been a guy like John Tay Cook or Ruben Owens or even a Jonah Wilson being like, yeah, Arch is telling me this um, and this is what I think. Or just the insane amount of buzz that kids that are only tangentially related to him feel. I mean, Mike, we were at Pylon Dallas this last weekend. And how many times did you hear a kid say, not I'm going to Texas on the March 26th weekend. No, I'm going to Texas on the Arch weekend. So that level of buzz has been really exciting for me as a, you know, new person in the industry to kind of follow. And then as far as him as a player, I mean, he's as polished of a quarterback as you would expect a Manning to be. 
he's really fantastic. His arm talent is great. He, he gets through his progressions easily. He has that poise in the pocket. He's just a really solid high floor quarterback at this level. And I think that he and, you know, Malachi Nelson are kind of, kind of duke it out at one and two for the rest of the um, 23 cycle. I think there's been a lot of, and I always say that if your kid gets ranked high really early it's kind of a negative because everybody spends the rest of those years trying to figure out how to dig in for something, right? Like I saw it with Noah Kane when he was a really highly ranked running back, and it all it was was for his last two years, people being like, well, he can't do this and he can't do that. And, um, I think that there's like been this growing sentiment in the industry that's like, well, if his last name wasn't Manning, he wouldn't be the number one overall quarterback. And while I still need – I would love to see him against a team with a pulse live. I saw him against maybe the worst high school football team in America last year. Um, and, and it just wasn't – I mean, it was a practice, basically. It was a scrimmage, not even a scrimmage. It looked like routes on air. Uh, but when you talk about his posture – and you talk to his coach, Nelson Stewart, and uh, you understand everything that goes into it on the mental side of his, of his uh, ability along with his talent – you know, this is a kid who I do think could be a special, special quarterback for a program. Um, it is a kid that I think because of who he is, his last name and his pedigree, I, I don't think you can say if his last name wasn't Manning because that is part of the whole package, right? Like he has grown up in that world and in that family. And, you know, I think if when you look at Malachi Nelson and, uh, you know, the, the top three quarterbacks, Arch, Malachi Nelson, and Nicholas Zalmaliva, if those three guys develop to where we think we can, they can, and say they're one, two, three going into yeah. the draft, who is an NFL team going to take? Probably the guy with the last name Manning, you know, if they're all, all things equal. So I do think um, – you know, I, I would love to see a little more from March. Uh, not because uh, the bad thing is, like when I went to see him last spring, I didn't get to see him throw in that practice because he was hurt. So I've really only seen him throw in a game that, frankly, there was no competition in. Um, but I mean, it's I, I think it's it's a little premature to just say, oh, he's only here because his last name's Manning. For sure. And then an element, too, is because Arch doesn't really do the seven on seven circuit or even the camp circuit to a certain extent it does limit how how much evaluators can see him and it can work for and against him a little bit but i think that's another reason people have a little bit of skepticism like everybody would love to see what he looks like directly competing against malachi and uh nico imaliva at an elite 11 type situation but you're just not going to get him in that sort of competition Aside from Arch Manning, there's a lot of other big names. I mean, if Arch wasn't coming this weekend, it would still be a massive visitor weekend. Um, just some of the uh, the headliners as I'm looking down the list here, um, we have the full list over on horns247.com. We will have a uh, we've got a preview out. If you're reading or if you're watching this or listening to this Friday morning uh, when the show drops, we will have a preview out of the whole weekend. Uh, but Ruben Owens, five-star running back from El Campo, uh, the sock corners. Malik Muhammad and Javon Thomas are both competing in Texas relays and will be there. Roderick Pleasant is competing uh, the corner from uh, Junipero Serra in, in Gardenia, where Malik Murphy came from, uh, is competing in Texas relays and will be there. David Hicks, the five-star defensive lineman from Allen, is supposed to be competing in Texas relays and will be in attendance. Texas getting a big group of offensive linemen in, Ian Reed, Jaden Chapman, Andre Kojo, 
uh, Connor Stroh, kind of their, their, you know, the core of those guys they're really chasing in the state of Texas right now. Cedric Baxter, an elite running back from Orlando, is supposed to be in attendance. Uh, Jonte Cook is, is slated to be there. Uh, Jaden Greathouse, the list goes on and on. Uh, what, what stands out to you about the rest of these names on the list? Yeah, I, I think the major one for me is that they're getting the number one player in the nation on campus in Arch Manning, and they're getting the number one player in the state of Texas back on campus in DJ Hicks. And I think that DJ Hicks is someone that most in the industry feel like is an Oklahoma, Texas A&M battle right now with national powers kind of on the outskirts. I think that's a major one to where if Texas through Arch and a lot of the other hype of this weekend can really get back in it for the state's number one player, I think that would be a major move. Other than that, both of the sock corners, huge fans of, I think that's a really big deal. And the offensive line group that they have, it's a lot of the targets that Texas views as takes and, you know, has a chance to maybe extend a lead in some of those spots. Yeah, I think you make you bring up a really good point about Hicks. Um because we've seen it in the past where with like JV and Taviano coming in on junior day and, and that kind of reviving the Texas recruitment. I think that this is an opportunity for Texas to kind of revive themselves. Now it depends on how much, how long I think Hicks is there and how much he gives it a chance. If it's just a, I'm going to stop by the building when I'm done with my track meet, who knows, but if he really, you know, gives the visit a chance and here's what I know on Hicks. You know, when he was first offered, we were told by multiple people very close to him, hey, Texas is a dream school. They're going to be very tough to beat if they offer. And it's kind of gone the other way since since that started. From what I understand, you know, Hicks visited last summer on like the second day visits were allowed. This staff had never had a visit before. They had together, I mean, um, mm -hmm. they had a facility in shambles as construction was going on. They were trying to get a million kids in and out. And I think that first visit for Hicks just didn't go off maybe like he thought it would. And I think that the staff kind of found their footing through the summer, um, kind of seeing what worked with visits and what didn't. Uh, he came back again, and I think it was for the Kansas game, so obviously not a great experience. You got to – I mean, I really think they need something where they can get him in a place – have some real quality time with the staff and really lock in on this one because it is a very important recruitment uh, at, a, at a position that could be a, a huge impact. Um, I guess, you know, if you're looking at this list, if, if I'm wondering if there's any commit candidates coming out of this list, I'm not saying anything would come out of this weekend necessarily, but, you know, if a kid commits in a month, this might be the kind of catalyst for that. So, as I look down this list, um, the only one that I really would probably feel good about saying is Jonah Wilson uh, from Decaney. Now, I could I could also see Jaden Greathouse. That uh, was the one that I was going to mention. Jaden Greathouse was the other one that maybe could, yeah, if, if everything goes great. I think Jamal Shaw as well is another one. Sure. Um, those three guys I could look at and say, okay, this could be a big weekend where you could close the deal coming out of it and getting, let's talk a little bit about those kind of guys, uh, with great house, obviously, you know, a decorated guy since his freshman season at Austin Westlake went crazy in the state finals last year. I think another guy who, again, started out highly ranked early 
a lot of people took a lot of time to tell you what he couldn't do. And yeah. I think all he did last year, and he kept it off with the, the 6A state final, was show you what he could do. Yeah, it, 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 it's crazy that Jaden Greathouse's career has already had such a kind of roller coaster ride. Not from his perspective, from if you're just objectively looking at Jaden Greathouse's high school football career, it's three years of excellence and three state titles. But when you look at it from an evaluation standpoint, people thought, okay, this freshman that's catching all these jump balls for this Westlake team, he'll probably grow into a tight end. Sophomore year, he didn't really grow much. And so people kind of started to knock him a little bit in the industry of, okay, he's a tweener. Like you said, they were talking more about what he couldn't do. He's not going to be a burner. All he did his junior year was light up everybody. It did not matter who's the, who the team was. Mike, you and I really love that Denton Geyer uh, secondary. I think that it was the best secondary in the state last year. And Jaden Greathouse just basically took whoever he wanted in that state final. So, I mean, as a player, yeah, he is a little bit of a tweener. But, you know, you some call it a tweener. Some would take the glass half full and say that he's just a hybrid that you can put in the slot and he's going to, you know, cause a lot of problems for people. I don't think that he's he's not as tall and I think he has a little bit more quick twitch than like a little Jordan Humphrey, but I, I don't see why you couldn't, you know, make great Jaden Greathouse a ridiculously productive college football player. Yeah. All, all it takes is a little offensive imagination, right? And surely, Absolutely. you know, Sark's got the reputation for that. I think having a guy like Brennan Marion in the room who is known for, uh, you know, really being a creative offensive mind could help with that as well. Move him around, isolate him on linebackers and safeties and try to get the matchup in your favor. And I think that when you look at that kid, he wins. He wins jump balls, he wins games, he wins championships. And you're right, that that Denton Geyer secondary was four power five level players uh, playing in it. And he there wasn't one of them that could stay with him. So I think uh, to me, that was like the biggest – that was probably the biggest thing I took away from state was, oh, not only is Jaden Greathouse like better than people are giving him credit for, he has potential to really go off and do it in a way of like, I mean, he was going deep ball after deep ball in that yeah. game. The guys couldn't run with him. So, um, you know, I think he answered a lot of questions. Jonah Wilson, another from Decaney, another big bodied wide receiver that Brendan Marion offered. This is one I think a little different than Greathouse, a ton of potential, but maybe hasn't put it together consistently on the field a lot. Now we saw him uh, early. I remember sitting in a press box uh, two years ago during COVID, uh, during small school state, and had the uh, had the stream on watching Bridgeland and Decaney uh, that year, and he went nuts in that game. And then that's kind of when we first noticed him. Now there's times we see him in camps or seven on seven, and he's incredible. You know, he's freaky. He's got a big body. He moves it well. He can go get the ball. But there's also times where he struggles with consistency. I do think that Texas loves the potential there. Um, they saw him play basketball this this off season, and that's kind of when they offered was when they saw him. Uh, able to move that big body on the court. And so I think that, you know, for him, he's kind of a big upside play for them. Absolutely, Mike. I completely agree. And that Bridgeland game is hard to get out of your mind because I cannot remember the exact stat total, but it felt like he had 200 plus yards with three touchdowns against a Bridgeland team that was expected to make a run. A lot of his struggles at the high school level too have been a little bit 
due to the fact that quarterback play hasn't been super consistent at spring to Caney. And at times he's even had to step up into the QB role. So there's a little bit of um, maybe not being in the, you know, best offensive setup that has kind of hurt him a little bit from a perception standpoint. But it's one of those things to where the Texas staff felt confident in his upside and, you know, his overall traits to take a shot and really pursue him as that, you know, X receiver that Brennan Marion really, you know, covets. Hey, then Jamal Shaw from West Orange Stark, who plays running back and second and defensive back at, at West Orange, um, I think looked at as a defensive back from Texas, uh, possible corner, possible nickel type guy. Um, I haven't been able to see a ton of him. Hudson, you are the, the Southeast Texas expert on the podcast. So why don't you give me your opinion of Jamal Shaw? Yeah, Jamal Shaw uh, is a district, uh, I wouldn't say rival because I don't think Liberty has ever beaten West Orange Stark, but my hometown Liberty Panthers, he kind of victimized us this past year. And mostly Jamal plays primarily uh, at the high school level as a running back, but it's easy to see his physical running style translating um, to the defensive backfield. And he has enough on tape as a defensive back that you can definitely see why Texas, led by area recruiter Bo Davis, interestingly enough, decided to pull the trigger on an offer. And, you know, the Texas staff really likes him as a player. Yeah, I think that that's one of those ones, too, where, um, you know, weren't afraid to get out there and be among the first to, to recruiting, you know. And, and it's kind of been a staple for this Texas staff. It's been refreshing to see a little bit. Um, they've they've kind of gone in early on guys that they truly believe in, and it's paid off for them in a lot of cases, especially with those offensive linemen we mentioned. Um, all right, we're also going to be there for Texas Relays. If you're listening to this on Friday, the, the release day, uh, Hudson and I are likely either on the way to or already in Austin uh, to cover the uh, massive track event that it feels like it's coming back to being a big event again. I mean, for years, Texas Relays was talked about as kind of the, one of the premier spring events in the state. In the last couple of years, it hasn't had as much heat for whatever reason. I don't know a ton about uh, the college track and field scene, so I can't tell you why that is. Uh, but this year, a lot of guys running in it. Hudson, what are you what are you excited to see uh, this weekend at Relays? I'm excited for the entire spectacle. Obviously, we're there to cover recruiting. We're there to you know look at a lot of the guys that we already know about the you know. Uh, Javon Thomas, Malik Muhammad types, the Roderick Pleasants of the world. But there's also an element to where, like you said, it's just the spectacle of Texas relays kind of feels back. I mean, you've got national high school teams coming in. The Miami Northwest, you know, team is headed in. So overall, that's the thing that I'm most excited about seeing. Um, other than that, a kid that I am pretty excited. I believe that Bravion Rogers is going to compete. And he recently just posted a six foot nine high jump and thinks that he can get to 610. Um, again, for those not as familiar with uh, LaGrange's Bravion Rogers, he's a six foot quarter and is borderline high jumping six feet 10. So that just shows what type of a freak athlete he is. And I'm excited to watch him compete. Um, I'm trying to think anybody else. DJ Hicks is throwing, so I'm I'm excited to see him. Um, and yeah, Mike, are there any other names off the top of your head that I'm missing out on? Roger Pleasant for me. I mean, Roger Pleasant is a legit could touch ten even in the hundred. I mean, he is that 
that fast. And he's a he's a very good football player. I don't want to say he's a track kid because when you say he's a track kid, it, it kind of denotes yeah. that they're not a good football player. I don't think that's the case at all. But he is very much into track. Um, it, it's it's kind of his passion. And he told me, you know, he kind of looks up to a Dory Jackson who came out of Sarah ran 10 flat and was a receiver in DB. That's kind of what Roger Pleasant is. He's got lofty goals and he's really been flying this season. So uh, excited to see him. I got to, I got a chance to get to know him just being around Malik Murphy and, and going out to California so much last year, I got a chance to know Roderick and he's a really cool kid. Um, he's really excited about coming to Texas and running. He told me he hopes that Malik's done with practice and could come support him in time. Um, you know, for everything. So uh, really nice kid. And he, I mean, he looks up to Malik Murphy like a bigger brother. So um, I think that would be a really cool moment for him if, if Malik was able to watch him run at Texas. And um, I, I'm excited to see kind of what he does because he does have potential to really light up that that board. Um, there's also going to be some big teams in town. You know, you, you mentioned Miami Northwestern. Uh, Duncanville is going to be there. Their four by one ran a 40.45 last, uh, last uh, week. Um, along with, uh, I can't remember the other two. I think Fort Ben Marshall was one of them and somebody yeah. else that went top three all under 41. Summer Creek. Yeah, it may have been Summer Creek. Uh, all went under 41 in the four by one, which is, you know, just absolutely rolling. So um, that's what I'm, I'm excited to see the speed, you know, seeing some of these. Uh, I love, like, I, we don't place a ton of emphasis into them because it's hard from an evaluation standpoint, but I love relays. Like, I love yeah. watching a good relay team. Um, and so uh, watching some of these, like, really fast 4 by one and 4 by 2 teams, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to see. All right, we are going to take a short break if you're listening on the podcast, and then we were going to come back and talk a little bit about the ceiling of this class. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Hudson. The uh, We talked a lot about Arch Manning. We've talked a lot about the visitors coming in this weekend. What and One thing you and I have been kicking around is what is the ceiling for this class? And I think if you start that question, the answer has to start with do they get Arch Manning or not? You have to have a scenario where they have Arch Manning and when they don't. I think anytime you land the number one player in the class, you are in a mix to be the number one class in the country. Um, so let's do two scenarios here. Let's do a with Arch and without. With Arch, I think that the ceiling for this class 
could be as high as number one. I mean, if you look at kind of the math, I talked about the core four earlier this week of Arch, mm-hmm. Ruben Owens, Shante Cook, Anthony Hill. If they could get those four guys, you're well on your way. You've established kind of the foundation for that number one class. Um, you know, even if you can get three of them. So uh, I think, you know, maybe you could turn the hide with David or turn the, sorry, turn the tables with David Hicks. Um, you know, you, you get in the picture for a guy like Cedric Baxter and some more nationally ranked prospects. I think that the ceiling for that class is number one. I think that um, without Arch, it's going to be hard to get there. I think it's even going to be hard to be a top five class, frankly. I mean, it's just Absolutely. because not to say that you, you lose all those other guys, but I just think that getting Arch gives you such a better chance with the Ruben Owens, the Jonte Cooks of the world. And without those guys, it's hard to climb to number five. Now, they did it last year in a year when nobody thought that they could get into that top five range. So it's hard to count the staff out. But I think a lot also depends on the season, um, you know, another five and seven season. And then I think you're, you're very much in trouble. But I think the ceiling for this class without Arch is, you, you know, you're hoping you get in the top 10 at that point, um, especially because it'll probably be smaller numbers. So you're not going to have the big numbers to build up on. Uh, but with Arch, I think sky's the limit. Absolutely, Mike. I think that with Arch, it is a top class ceiling. Do I, if, uh, you know, I'm a betting man and would I put, you know, money on it being the number one class? No, because right now it's just hard to look at the nationally elite guys that you normally need for a number one class so right now i wouldn't bet that with arch it would be the number one but that's absolutely the ceiling because with arch then it probably gives you a little bit of a boost you get more guys on campus and then all of a sudden say you know a like you mentioned cedric baxter as a potential you know running back as as part of one of two or even like a francis you know maoyoga from img academy that's a five star maybe they could really pick it up and land um, so that that's the ceiling, but like you kind of hinted at, I think that one thing that is going to kind of lower the ceiling, I'm not sure they have the numbers to make the number one class push. And especially if they don't end up with arch, I think that top 10 would be, I, if they don't land arch, I think getting top 10 would be some borderline, you know, a plus recruiting. Um, which is, you know, a little bit on the downside, but that just goes to show how high of a variance, you know, his his recruitment is and how ultimately important it is. And so, yeah, I I think that top one is the ceiling with Arch, with top three as a very safe um, kind of landing zone. And then without him, I think probably 10 to 15 is the ceiling. I think it's really tricky. Your goal should be getting the top five, then getting the top three, and then figure it out from there. Because usually that one, two, three is all very closely tight together. And Texas could sign the class of their dreams and end up number two or number three. And there's still nothing to, you know, shake a stick at. Um, but if you look at kind of the recipe of how AM did it last year, uh, reaching the number one overall class and the highest ranked class, yes, they got. Connor Wigman and Evan Stewart and a lot of the highly ranked guys in the state of Texas, which Texas could do conceivably, but can Texas go get a Walter Nolan, a Shamar Stewart, Stewart. you know, guys like that in areas they typically 
don't succeed in, those were the guys that helped push them over the top. And so that's what I think, you know, could hold them back potentially from being that number one class. But who knows? I mean, we, we've seen a lot of the buzz around Arch. And I think it it's a little different than it was because Malachi Nelson and Nicholas Alamaliba, I'm probably butchering his name, by the way. Um, and I apologize for that. Uh, because those guys have emerged, you know, at one point in time, it was like Arch is the guy, the only guy, everybody wants to follow him. Well, now you've got factions. You've got the guys who want to follow Malachi. You got the ones that want to follow Nicholas. You know, you've got guys who certainly want to follow Arch, but it's more split. You're, you're kind of diverting that attention. So um, I do think that that could potentially hurt it. Um, and, and like I said, can Texas go do the extra things that A&M was able to do and go outside of the state into regions that, um, normally don't come to Texas and go win elite prospects from those groups. I think that, um, I think that will probably ultimately hold the potential back or tell the story of them being the number one class if they can do those things. Absolutely. All right. Well, that was uh, a quick and dirty wrap up of the uh, the weekend and uh, or not wrap up. I'm sorry. Preview of the weekend. We will do a wrap up show next week and as well as preview the next weekend because it's going to be another big weekend. April back, 2nd. back loaded weeks. Yeah. Um, our next show may be done with me on a beach. I will be in Galveston next week. So um it may be live from the beach uh it, when we record it so we'll kind of see how that goes but uh hudson anything you want to add before we leave don't think so all good uh go st peter's peacocks let's get purdue back oh yeah um do you have any tournament thoughts you want to get off before uh you know if you could if you could start from the sweet 16 as it is now who do you really like to you, i like i've got gonzaga uh in the bracket I think I still really like my pick of Gonzaga to win it all. Um, what, what are your thoughts? I've got Arizona in my bracket. I am very worried about this Arizona-Houston matchup. Um, I've been telling a friend of the podcast, Guy Frazier, for a while, but Houston is a team that Vegas and the analytics nerds have loved all season. And the you know committee and a lot of the pollsters haven't really liked and, you know, Houston's just responded by knocking off a, you know, really game 12 seed uh, Alabama Birmingham team and then just kind of punking Illinois in the round of 32. Um, Arizona's only a one point favorite against uh, Houston. I'm a little bit worried about my pick. I think the winner of that game has a really good path. Um, and then the other one, you know, Texas Tech versus Duke is just going to be a banger. That's an awesome college basketball matchup where you have, you know, Coach K's last run with a team full of, you know, bona fide studs versus Texas Tech's no middle defense um, that has just been awesome all year. That's going to be a fun one. Gonzaga is a great pick. Um, I'm going to stick with my bracket, stick with what I've thought for most of the year and say Arizona is going to win it all. But there's a decent chance that quite literally by podcast recording uh, or by the time people listen to this, that I'm wrong. And the Houston Cougars are advancing to another elite eight. All right. Well, we will, uh, we'll check back on our progress next week for uh, see who's in the final four and, and who we like. It's been a fun tournament so far. So, Oh, it's been awesome. 
Um, all right, guys, we thank you for listening. We thank you for joining in on the fun. Uh, thank you to Taylor Estes for uh, doing everything behind the scenes to make this show run. For Hudson Standish, I'm Mike Roach, and we'll see you guys next week.